Bridget, the This is the Bridget LaRay Show, where we showcase, highlight, and celebrate the accomplishments of dynamic artists like my man right here, Mr. Miguel LeBron. What's up, Miguel? <laughs> All is well, Bridget. Thank you for having me on the program. You're welcome. Hey, I have to say, this is the very first virtual Bridget LeRae show. Hey, I'm excited to be a part of the first. Oh, man, I'm so <laughs> excited that it's you. Where are you calling? Where are you um, from? Where you live? I'm in upstate New York. Specifically, I'm in Rochester. New York. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. And I'm in LA, yes. so, you know, coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Miguel, welcome to the Bridget LeRae show. Please. Mm-hmm. Tell us who you are and what is your form of artistry? Sure. So again, my name is Miguel LeBron. I am a personal growth strategist. That means that I help individuals identify their core values and align them with their habits. Um, My form of artistry, I would say, is communication. I'm an international speaker. I'm a community organizer. I'm a podcast host, host of the Strategy Rewind. I have three kids, so they hear my voice a lot. And uh, yeah, so I just love communicating. The host of the Strategy Rewind. Mm -hmm. I have to say, that name is very intriguing. Ah, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 eye catching, it's ear catching as well. So tell us about strategy rewind. What how did you come up with the name and what does that mean? For sure. So, you know, one of the things I started doing for myself is I started looking up the definition of the word strategy. And and I was very bothered with the fact that if you look up the word strategy, like you do a basic Google search. It's either going to take you to the war room or the boardroom. Like it's it's one of the two. And, you know, to me, I found that difficult because how can an everyday individual, the middle class person who's just trying to be better, how can they then use strategy if they are neither in the war zone or in the boardroom? And so I really started just defining it for myself. And so to me, strategy is a defined number of steps that help you obtain a breakthrough moment. And when I decided that I wanted to launch a podcast focusing on strategy, I didn't just want to talk about all of the strategies that you could use. I really wanted to do it more where you kind of look back and reflect on the strategies that have been used. Like, it's very different for me to tell you, you should eat oatmeal versus me telling you, hey, I've eaten oatmeal and this is what I've seen happen because I eat oatmeal. And so that's where I wanted to kind of think of, okay, what what could go with that? And, you know, people use kind of the flashback Friday or memorable Monday. But me, I grew up with cassette player and boom boxes. (laughs) And so, you know, we used to hit the rewind whenever we wanted to go back to a cassette or go back to the track. And so that's where the idea of strategy rewind came into play. I love that. I listen, I'm an 80s baby myself. So, you know, <laughs> I remember the old school homies walking around with the boom box on their shoulder. Why is this so important to you? Like helping people with strategize their life to get mm-hmm. out of whatever war that they may be going through. Why is this yeah. important? Yeah, it's important to me, number one, because you know, in 2016, it's when I discovered my my core values. And in 2016, really was a moment that kind of shake shook things up for me. 
Let me go back to 2015 beforehand, though, because in 2015, my second daughter was born. Uh, 2015, my daughter Anna was born in September. And, you know, it was a happy moment. And of course, you know, from September, we rolled into October. My wife's birthday is in October. Then November came around. That's Thanksgiving. December rolled around. That's Christmas. And uh, my mother was a woman who would, in Christmas, she would just do a ton of food. I'm talking about main dinner, pastry, all kinds of food. And so much so that by the end of the day, she was inviting people from the neighborhood just to come eat because it was a lot of food. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And, but in 2015, Christmas was a little different because I remember her calling me and my siblings into the kitchen. And it seemed like she took us to the farthest part of the kitchen, you know, near near the stove where nobody stood. <laughs> and and uh, we kind of stood there and surrounding her. And she shared with us that she had been diagnosed with cancer mm. and that it was spreading quick. And the doctors didn't know what was going to happen, but they didn't guarantee anything. And that was December. And by the start of the year 2026, um, before May even rolled around, she had already passed away. And in her passing away, 2016, right? 2016. 2016. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. And you know, by by her passing away, and just a journey from from December to March, just that journey alone, um, it, I really got to see more of her character, more of her legacy, more of of who she was, her faith. And and when she passed away, it got me to thinking about my legacy. And so it was in that difficult moment that I discovered my core value of legacy. And, and I went into this journey, this process of really figuring out, okay, if legacy is so important to me, what else is important to me? And I think oftentimes, you know, we have the desire, the the want to accomplish something, but we, we don't know where to begin. We don't know where the starting line is. And to me, the starting line of accomplishing anything is identifying your core values. How does this align with what's most important to me and what is most important to me? And so I try to help individuals identify their core values. And to be honest, sometimes that conversation is difficult for individuals. And so the way we go around that is we sit in silence. Mm. And silence in a busy world is very difficult. It becomes very awkward. And so I've learned within the process to just sit in the awkward silence. And so too have my clients. And we sit in the awkward silence. And the idea would be, let's slow everything down. Yeah. And now let's think about your desired future outcome. That it is. sounds like it sounds mm -hmm. like to me that it took a life and literally a life and death situation for you to come to terms like, listen, I need to start thinking legacy. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you take this structure and help your clients strategize without them having to get to a life and death situation? Yeah. So we, we sitting in that silence, we establish their desired future state. Right. So that is, if all things were equal, if nothing was off the table, if nothing was a limitation, what would be your best life? What would that look like? Mm -hmm. And the idea would be to get them to a place where they are feeling that 
They are smelling that. They, I mean, they are in the moment because the beautiful thing is, Bridget, that the brain can't tell the difference between the present, the past, or the future. Right. And so if we can get the individual to feel that moment, then the brain will believe that that moment is happening. And what happens now is that the individual has essentially felt what success is. Now the other part is, okay, what does it require for you to get there? Better said, what does it require for you to be or to possess in order to be there, to be in that position of success? Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm listening. I'm like, man, a lot of this stuff is easier said than done. Mm. Like, <laughs> how do you get through to somebody who who just they just gung ho? Like, listen, I, I don't I don't know what it's gonna take. I'm stuck in my ways. Like, this is who I am. You know, yeah. like it's just the way I am. This is the way I was born. Like, how do you get through yeah. to somebody? that may just be stuck in their ways. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's important to identify that there are two uh, parts of emotions, meaning there are primary emotions and there are secondary emotions. And so the way I, I present it is this way. Imagine you're walking down a hall and somebody bumps you in the shoulder. That knee-jerk reaction is that emotion that you have, that primary emotion. And that primary emotion may be surprised, shocked and maybe a little nervous because you don't know what's going to happen ready to fight if you yeah. <laughs> well here's the thing that secondary emotion sometimes we don't realize it but that secondary emotion is covering up the first one that is that we are scared but because our mind begins to assign a feeling and a thought process to that emotion, here comes the secondary emotion, which maybe I'm ready to throw down, right? Because your mind is telling you the last time you felt this, this happened, you had to fight, you had to defend yourself. And so now right. you're walking down the hall, primary emotion is shocked, surprised. Secondary emotion is I'm ready to fight. What does this mean? Well, first of all, we should know that there is no difference between the primary emotion and the secondary emotion. It's not that one is more important than the other. They are both important. However, the secondary emotion comes second and the primary emotion comes first. But the secondary emotion usually is covering up what's really happening, which is that when the event took place, you were just scared. You were just shocked. You were just surprised. You were taken off guard. And most often when I converse with my clients, you know, they obviously, as many of us do, as all of us do, frankly, we present the first, the, that secondary emotion. And, and you know, say, oh, I'm ready to fight because they touch me. But when you get right. a little deeper, you realize, no, no, that's not it. It's really because of this. And, and so oftentimes, you know, to the question of, well, how, how do we get through this? Well, that requires being vulnerable, being authentic, but being bold enough within the vulnerability of saying, listen, that, that ain't really it. Let's get deeper to what's happening. And and so that pushback um, as, a, as a personal growth strategist, obviously there are clients that they love the pushback and they're ready for it. And then others are often taken back by it. Like, oh, I didn't know we were having this type of conversation. Right. Um, but it shifts the gear to think, well, you have to think about this. You know, recently I was sitting with a client and as I was sitting with this individual, I began to ask him, you know, what's the next five years look like? And and I was like, well, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. 
there's a whole lot of maybes here. There's no definitive. And so mm -hmm. if you don't know where you're going in the next five years, how do you know where you're going in the next 24 hours? How do you know where you're going in the next five minutes? Yeah. And, you know, of course, they took a moment to ponder like, OK, fine, I'm going to do this. Oh, wait a minute. You don't even sound convinced. Like you could do that next year. What do you mean five years from now? So that pushback is very necessary. Yeah. Making a definitive decision and choices. A lot of times it can be scary because it's like, man, especially if I'm sitting here telling it to my coach, that means mm -hmm. someone's going to hold me accountable. I can't yeah. just on my couch eating bonbons, watching, <laughs> chilling, you know, because so why, why is it so important for someone who maybe have a hard time to make these choices to get a coach like you? Why yeah, do they need you? Yeah, that's that's a good question of why do they need a personal growth strategist or why do they need a coach? And, you know, I'm a fan of the game of basketball. And in the game of basketball, there was a coach by the name of Phil Jackson. Uh, he played early on and won championships and then he became a coach. And when he became a coach, he coached Michael Jordan. And I'm sure everyone knows the name Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> and of course, he he coached them, uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And they won, you know, the six rings that they won. And then uh, Phil Jackson moved to L.A., your neck of the woods. And yeah. he coached, you know, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal and them guys in the L.A. Lakers. And they won some championships as well. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Phil Jackson did another move later on, and he moved to New York, where he teamed up with Carmelo Anthony. Well, what is the woods. Yeah, my neck of the woods. <laughs> what we see here is a very interesting thing. Phil Jackson and, and Michael Jordan won championships. Phil Jackson and Kobe Bryant won championships. Phil Jackson and Carmelo Anthony did not. And that's a very interesting thing. And the reason they didn't win is because they had two different philosophies. Carmelo saw the game one way. Phil saw the game another way. And then when they did try to gel, it just very difficult. So the question of, well, why does an individual need Miguel? No, you don't need Miguel. You could probably win and be very successful, but you can also be stuck in doing the very same thing. And so the question is, do you want to stay doing the same thing? And if the answer is no, well, then you need a coach. Was like, what should it be, Miguel? I think you should explore if it should be Miguel. And I know I'm speaking in the third person, so I'll just be, <laughs> I'll stop doing that and I'll say this. You know, what makes me, I think, successful, I feel that what makes me successful is the fact that I focus on being the three Ps. And to me, the three Ps is personal, professional, but practical. And practical to me is the biggest part. I believe that practical goals lead to a radical life. And so you're looking for a radical life, then yeah, I'm the coach for you. I, I like that. Okay, then. Commercial. So what is what is I know your your podcast is strategy yeah. rewind. So what mm -hmm. is your coaching business? Is is it what's the name of your coaching business? If somebody wants to um to work with you, how can mm -hmm. they find you? What's the name of your yeah. So, I mean, you can go to, if you wanted just a kind of general view of what I'm doing, you can get over to MiguelLebron.com 
And there you'll find information on what I've done in the past, what I'm doing now, and what kind of I'm planning in the future. Uh, but if you want a more up-to-date information, definitely head over to strategyrewind.com because there you'll have information to the uh, podcast that we're doing, but also you can sign up for the newsletter, which is the Growth Strategy Spotlight. It's a newsletter that I write uh, every week, and it goes through my own journey. Uh, really, that's where I peel back the layers, so to speak, and just kind of share my journey of what I'm doing. Like, for example, this year I started working out and I shared there why I started working out and what that workout looks like and kind of the strategies that I implemented as I've gone through the journey of being better at healthy. So again, just go to strategyrewind.com, sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast and just uh, get connected there with me or with the community that we've building there. Okay, Miguel, you know what? You I'm listening to you. You have a great like radio voice. <laughs> I hear the presenter, the the speaker in you. So let's talk about what you do as a speaker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because for those of you that don't know, which is maybe everybody here, uh -huh. Miguel and I, we met, we both auditioned for the mm -hmm. the great American speak off. And mm -hmm. you posted it's Grant Cardone, Pete Vargas, they get together. It, so what that is, for those of you that, that don't know, it is a television show, much mm -hmm. like much like American Idol, America's Got Talent, The Voice, but it's for speakers. Mm -hmm. So thousands of speakers audition, and Grant Cardone posted something, and I seen Miguel. Miguel posted under there, and he mm -hmm. shared his actual audition. The year 2015, my second daughter was born. I should have been happy, but at that same year, I found out that my mother had terminal cancer. In the year 2016, she passed away. But when she passed away, it woke up something inside of me. Not only was I thinking about my mortality, but I was also thinking about my legacy. How would I be remembered after I've left the room? Furthermore, how would I be remembered when I've left Earth? It was this drive of legacy that caused me to think about not just my own, but the legacy that I could help other individuals create. So as a personal growth strategist, I help individuals identify their values and align them with their habits so that they can build a legacy that echoes in eternity. And I was like, oh, that was so dope. I, I, I messaged <laughs> you like, you so smart. So I shared my audition too. All right, how many artists do we have in the room? By a show of hands. Okay, I see some people didn't raise their hand. Okay, but let me tell you why I asked this question. I remember being around eight years old. My mom sat my brother and my sister and I down in the living room and she said, draw me a picture. I remember sitting down thinking, oh, this is going to be so much fun. So I get to drawing like little stick figures. I'm like, I'm drawing a picture of mama. You're like, oh, it's going to be so cute. And my sister draws this beautiful Minnie Mouse. My brother draws this Power Ranger. And I'm just sitting there looking like, what the heck? I must be adopted because where is my talent? I carried that feeling well into adulthood, feeling like I didn't measure up, feeling like I was not creative, feeling like I did not matter, feeling like I was not enough. Oh my God. I felt that way until one day my friend and I went to Myrtle Beach and she seen someone interviewing somebody on the, on the strip. And she said, Bridget, you should do that. I said, what? She said, you should interview people. You have that type of personality. I said, I do? Never in my life has anybody ever told me that I was good at anything. See, sometimes it takes people outside of you, outside of your family, to show you who you are and what you're capable of and what your gifts are. 
So from that moment, I began interviewing people all over the streets. And now I interview artists on the Bridget LaRae show where we showcase and highlight the accomplishments of independent artists like every one of you here. See, our talent, our gift may not be like what other people's gift look like. My sisters and brothers was drawing. Mine is speaking. My teachers told me all the time, she talked too much. You talk too much on every report card. She talked too much. Look at me now, helping people, helping creatives find the creativity within because we're all creatives in our own right. And I'll show you that you're creative if you allow me to interview you on the Bridget LaRae show. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> awesome job, Bridget LaRae. Could you tell us a little bit about your speaking and what you do as a speaker, what you speak on? Sure. So I speak on personal growth, on strategy uh, for personal growth. For me, personal growth is not just you know, becoming healthier, but it, I think personal growth encompasses mental health and spiritual health as well. We're not just human beings, we're spiritual beings. So when I speak, I speak from that place, that perspective. And I truly believe that if we grow personally, then we'll by default grow professionally. So when I speak, I speak about core values. I speak about habits. I speak about that. Uh, and I've also shared my personal story with reference to the passing of my mother, how that changed really the course of my life, but also the relationship with my father, how that really has morphed throughout the years. Because when I was a kid, my father was in and out of jail and in and out of addiction. And because of that, in and out of my life. And it really hasn't been until the last few years where after the passing of my mother, where he and I were able to build a relationship that really has been prosperous for both of us. So when I speak Again, you know, focusing on those three P's I mentioned, I really just kind of present my story and 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 my experiences, and hopefully that impacts and provides insight. I love it. I love it. So you speak a lot about core values. Mm -hmm. What exactly, what are your core values? <laughs> yeah, so my core values, as I mentioned, legacy. Legacy to me is the way I interact, for example, like with you and what when this conversation is over, how will I be remembered there? But mm -hmm. legacy is also how be how will I be remembered by the people I love? So even though I podcast with the intention to be of service to everyone who's listening, really <laughs> the primary reason why I podcast in a selfish sense is because I know that I'm not going to be around one day. I'll be gone. And uh, I want to be able to leave something to my children, to my daughters. As a father of three, it's very important for me that my daughters can always review and listen to what their dad stood for, believed. And so legacy to me encompasses that. So legacy, family, faith, and community. Community to me is, is very big because I believe we should surround ourselves with people that will nourish our vision. Yeah, I love that. And in the short time I've known you, I, I can actually see that in you because just how we met, like you were mm -hmm. you were giving to the community, like you mm -hmm. literally posted your audition to help other people prepare for theirs. So I love mm -hmm. that about you. Oh, thank so, you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> what? OK, uh -huh. as a coach and a speaker, everything that you speak on, I know you have credentials. You know, I know you're you're a pastor. Are, are yeah. you not? Okay. I am. I'm a lead pastor. Yes. You're a lead pastor. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know you were a lead pastor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So 
I was an associate pastor for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And before that, I, I was serving in ministry, but uh, I was a lead uh, associate pastor for 10 years. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I really felt led to start a church. Um, it seemed like there was going to be a transitional period but, uh, with reference to who the lead pastor were, but that that didn't happen. And so we just said, OK, this is our time to move. And, and we've we decided to do that and we did and and we've seen the favor of god we've seen you know people react and people's lives change and you know when i when i sit down with individuals and i present the gospel uh you know <laughs> there are things to me that take place that i don't think are necessarily spiritual things that they are emotional they are mental and they be, they can become something spiritual, but they oftentimes initiate from a very emotional, mental, physical place. And so when I speak and when I teach, I teach in that fashion. Again, focusing on the three Ps, which is just professional, practical, and personal. And so I, I try to present it in that way. And, uh, you know, we've seen favor and the grace of God by it. Okay. So when you are speaking and on your podcast, you're saying you focus on the three Ps, not so much as... Miguel, the pastor. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So the podcast itself, you know, it's not related to at all the gospel. That doesn't mean that I haven't presented individuals who are Christians who hold the faith, but it just, it's not the center focus. You know, I think that you know, it doesn't need to be in order for us to present biblical principles. And Mm -hmm. so when I talk about biblical principles and even my core values, a lot of that is infused. Obviously, my worldview is the it starts from a biblical perspective. And so it's infused into it, although I'm not going to, you know, off the cuff say, you know, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You want to reach a a wide variety of people like you want to be all over the world. Right, correct. And and you know, I've I've been fortunate enough where I've sat down with individuals who are different, you know, uh, ethnicities, different gender, different race, and even different religions. Um, you know, I, I was sitting down for a moment there mentoring an individual who was a Muslim. And, and so you have a Christian and a Muslim just sitting together and we're talking about life, goals, values, and uh, you know, so yeah. That actually sounds like the beginning of like a joke, like you got a Christian and a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> it's where my brain was taking me like okay, i understand <laughs> i was waiting for the punchline no just kidding <laughs> all right so tell us miguel what is your greatest accomplishment oh wow that's that's a good question my greatest accomplishment has not yet happened okay i love mm-hmm. that i love that <laughs> i love it so if it did happen, <laughs> uh-huh. what would it be up until now? Up until now, up until this moment? Yeah, just what are some some things that you're most proud about? Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 very proud of my marriage. I'm I'm very proud of the marriage I've been able to together with my wife build because you know we, we had individuals who early on just made it difficult for no apparent reason other than they just didn't want us together <laughs> and so to be able to build a life together build a home together mm-hmm. and be able to raise our children and be able to serve community be able to do these things together and you know one of the big things that I'm proud of within our marriage is that 
And we, we established this early on is that I, I said to her, you're still you and I'm still me. And what that mm -hmm. means is, yes, we're going to work together to build a life together, but I do not want you to feel as though you are just simply the wife and that's the end of it. Because there are so many women who their whole identity is wrapped up in being a wife and being a mother that they don't do anything for themselves. Mm -hmm. And and that's an issue. And I didn't want that. And I don't want that for my wife. I definitely don't want that for myself. And so there are moments where obviously we'll go out together as a family. We'll go out and date together, my wife and I. But then there are also moments where I say, okay, now go do your thing. And I'll do my thing, you know, go, go do something for you so that you can feel that you are you, right? That you're growing authentically. So I'm very proud of the marriage we've been able to build. Love that. Yeah, Pastor Devon Franklin speaks on, on that subject, like you being one of one. Mm -hmm. You are one person, your spouse is one person, you come together and then you, you know, you form you one a life together, but you're still yeah. one of one. Exactly. Yeah, he does a whole series on that. You got <laughs> check it out on YouTube. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. You're such a sweet guy. Your great oh, accomplishment you. is your marriage. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, we are going on to 14, 14 years now, 14, 15 years now. Yeah. 14, 15 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. For those of you that's listening, he does not look like he's old enough <laughs> to have been married for 14, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we uh we got married young. So by the time I was 21, I was married. By the time I was 25, my first daughter was born. So That's beautiful. That's you you a man that knows what he wants in life. Yeah, well, I try to be. I try to be. I definitely know what I don't want. <laughs> Isn't that the precursor to knowing what you that do? That is correct. That is correct. That is correct. You got to. You got mm -hmm. to. So yeah. I, I like to say that's what you need to focus on. Like a lot of people like to focus on the things that they don't want and then they keep getting more of it. But mm -hmm. to know what you don't want, it's a it's a beautiful gift because then oh, for you, sure. you can turn that focus around and focus on the exact opposite. You don't even have to think too hard about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the exercises I do with my clients, actually. It's like if you're having difficulty on thinking what is it that you want, think about what you don't want. And or you can think about a story of individuals that you admire within that story. And then you begin to think, OK, why do I why am I attracted to that character? Why am I why do I admire Batman or Superman or whatever character may be within the story? And you may find traits within those individuals that you are drawn to. And having written out those traits, you can then begin to dwindle down which are more important. And there you can find your values as well. I love it. I love it. You got all types of uh, exercises <laughs> and things of that matter. huh? <laughs> so what's next for you? We're getting ready for 2024. So certainly uh, working on the podcast is, is a very important thing to me. And I'm actually going ahead and continuing to help other individuals build their podcast, um, teaming up with speakers who want to build a podcast and building up, you know, their profile in that sense. So that's something very exciting for me to do and, and really just finding more tools on how to better myself. I believe if I can better myself, you know, I had a mentor of mine years ago who would say, no one can give what they don't have. And to me, that is like, is so important. And that's so hard. I'm consistently finding tools that I can use to, so that I can get better. And then once I'm like, okay, this tool works, I bring it right back to the community. I re bring it right back to the people that I serve and the people that are my, uh, my clients. 
So, okay, how are you how are you going to help people build up their podcast? Is this is this a course that you'll be offering with your coaching business or yeah, so with reference to how I'm helping individuals, my podcast, I actually publish and produce my own podcast. And so I focus on all that. And so that's something that I'm actually doing with uh, several clients right now. So we have, uh, you know, there's a podcast called The Voice of Tamar. That podcast has been running for a few years. We've been helping lift that one up. And now I'm teaming up with international speaker Josh Brown to help him on his podcast. I'm really excited on what that's going to look like. It's focused on the redemption story. And, and his story is a powerful redemption story of how he went to prison and then made it out and really lifted himself up. Mm, I love it. So mm -hmm. what is your signature talk? So my signature talk actually it, it focuses on the difference between impact, influence, and role models. Uh, that's my signature talk. And so what that looks like is the, the premise of that conversation really is that I, I think we've made a trade-off. We have traded role models for social media influencers. And in the process of doing that, we've given away as well all of our traditions. You know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we took our daughters on vacation. Every summer we do a surprise vacation. At this particular time, we took them horseback riding. It was the first time they had ever been horseback riding. And so on the way home after this vacation, they kept talking about the horses. The horse's name, the way they talked, the way they walked. Of course, horses don't talk. But to them, to them, the horses were talking. Now, I have three daughters. My oldest is Raziel, and then Anna, and then Amelia. So I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Yes, I'm outnumbered in my own home. But, but the detail here was that afterwards, my daughters kept asking, can we do this again? Can we do this again? And if you know anything about kids, they're going to ask you once and once again. So, of course, can we do this again was the constant question. To which I began to think, what if, what if we made this into a tradition? Now, I didn't tell them this because otherwise I'd never hear the end of it. But I did think about it. What if I made this into a tradition where every summer I would take them horseback riding? What if this was something we could share long term? And as I thought about this, I, it forced me to think about something that I don't have a lot of summers left with Raziel. I also don't have a lot of summers left with Anna because by the time Raziel is going off to college, Anna's going to be right behind her. This forced me also to think about my, it forced me to think about my mortality. Because after all, we don't have any days guaranteed, so I don't know how many days I have with her. In fact, it forced me to think about my legacy. So who was a role model in your life growing up? I know you said your dad was in and out of your life. Was mm -hmm. there anybody that came and stepped in, stepped up to the plate? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My first mentor, he he was my role model. Um, the real, the first role model that I was like, this is a guy who, he's a guy, <laughs> you know, worth emulating, if you will. You know, he taught me, you know, how to pray, how to be a person of word. You know, your yes is yes, your no is no. How to be a person of valor, of character. You know, this is a man that when he said, I'm going to be there, he would be there. And for me, that was so opposite from what I had seen until that point. Because again, my father was just in and out of my life and in and out of a jail. And so when this man came into my life, he really became a role model on 
what it is to be a man and what it is to be a person of word. Love that. Sounds like he had a huge impact on your life. What does he have a name? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Ironically enough, you know, the year I met him, the year I met him was a year after his son has had passed away. Mm -hmm. And I say that because his son's name was Miguel and his name was Miguel as well. And so when I when I met wow. Miguel, yeah, when I met Miguel, he had just finished overcoming the grief of burying his son. And we really just kind of met each other. And it just, you know, it's something God sent for real. That's beautiful. That that was definitely a divine intervention. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love mm-hmm. that. For you love that for Miguel. So you said his name was so he's he's since passed. No, 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 no. His name is Miguel Ayala. His name is Miguel Ayala. Oh, OK. All right. Mm-hmm, yeah. well, thank God yeah, for Miguel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's he's a massive influence and and I've been able to even maintain contact even with him, you know, now. Um, so that's an amazing thing to be able to years have gone by, but we still maintain communication. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. So I know you're a pastor. Do you want yeah. to share your church? Would you like to invite members to or new members to come and visit your church or join? Sure. Yeah. So if you're in the Rochester area, uh, we're in 964 Chilai Avenue and it is Grace Hope Fellowship. If you want, you can also search it on Facebook. We publish there our um, Sunday services. We have services on Sunday and Wednesday. So yeah, it's a young community, but I'm I'm really excited about what's happening and and I think the um, what I'm excited about is implementing things that uh, I probably didn't see or most definitely didn't see as I was initiating within the church as a young member. And so being able to have conversations, authentic conversations, and and actually being able to be personal. So that's one of the things I'm excited about. And again, it's Grace Hope Fellowship. I love that. I mm-hmm. love. What do you love most about being a pastor? Wow. Some good questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I I love diving into topics as a pastor that people may not associate that are necessarily biblical, but they are there. I'll give you an example. We recently had a conversation that encompassed the King Saul. So if you're not familiar with King Saul, uh, the, the people of Israel asked for a king because previously they were under a theocracy, meaning is that God led them. So they ask for a king. God gives them a king. It's King Saul. And then comes the famous story that everyone knows, which is David and Goliath. Right. Everyone knows the story. David, a little kid, faces off with a giant and he defeats him. But the very interesting thing is that what we see is that Saul becomes jealous of David. More specifically, he's jealous because people are singing his praises. And and so what we did through in a Bible study recently, what we did through is that we went through various translations of the scripture. So the New King James, the Christian Standard Bible, the Amplified Bible, and then we arrived to the Message Bible, which is a very interesting translation. And it says that Saul was overcome by an ugly mood. And I thought that was interesting because oftentimes we think a mood has zero to do with our spirituality. But what we find out 
is that a mood is just a feeling that I've stuck around too far along. So think about when people say, I'm in a happy mood. It's because they've stayed in happiness for quite some time. Or I'm in a bad mood. It's because they've stayed in negativity for far too long. And so what we see then is that his feeling becomes a mood, which leads to a spiritual situation, which leads to a spiritual battle. Now, most often, we think, well, my feelings, my emotions have zero to do with my spirituality. But in reality, all of this is tied together. And so I love having those type of conversations and seeing the faces on individuals where they're like, well, this ain't got nothing to do with the Bible or, or my spiritual life. And it does when it we go a little lot. deeper. So do you like to read? What books are you reading right now? What what type of books would you... Uh... Uh, let's see what I have here oh, right okay. now. I'm reading... What's this title? This is titled The Leader's Greatest Return by John Maxwell. I'm reading that book. And then I'm working through Don't Dread Monday, which is a really good book as well. Oh, Don't Dread Monday. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a short one. It's not fairly long. It's, I think it has like, uh, let's see, it has less than 100. I had a 105 pages. So I'm about midway through. But it's a really good one because it it's almost like a workbook. Uh, where it talks about aligning your purpose with your work. And and that one is a good one. And of course, Maxwell, I mean, Maxwell is powerful. And in the great leadership return, what he talks about is how can you create tables so that you can build more leaders? And so, yeah, you know, I, I, I highlight books, I write in them, I make notes all over them. And then again, once I've once I've extracted the strategy, once I've extracted the principle, like I said, I just turn back around. I just feed that to my audience. Yeah, you stay feeding yourself. You stay learning. You... Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, Spotify, you Spotify to listen to audio books as well. And so my method, actually, when I read, what I try to do is I try to have the audio book and I have the text right in front of me. So I'm listening, I'm highlighting, I'm I mean, I'm engaging all of my senses. Okay, so you're doing all these things. You yeah. have a family. Like what type of time management program are you on and how can we <laughs> So... <laughs> Yeah, so I just try to be real purposeful and I try to be real present with the things that I do. And, and of course, the power of no, just say no to, to, to some things that just don't make sense. Or, you know, <laughs> it, it really is to me about becoming purposeful. And, and, and here lies the importance of core values. Everything I'm doing ties into my core values. It's like, if I get better, I can leave a better legacy. If I get better, I can serve my community better. If I get better, I can be stronger in my faith and I can help others elevate their faith. You know, and, and I have this, this, this idea, which is that the only way for me to raise my children is to raise myself. And what that means is I can only elevate them so far as I elevate myself. And so I have to consistently continue to elevate myself. So the time management part, you know, I, I communicate with my wife and I say, this is the time I want to go to bed. This is the time I want to wake up. And while I'm awake, I try to do the most I can for feeding me and, of course, being present for others. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so in 20, the end of 2023, what is yeah. something that you will be celebrating? I think I've and, and I've been meditating on this a lot, actually. And I feel like for 2023, I, I feel personally, I did a really good job on implementing 
uh, consistency and strategy that works for me, you know, and, and building momentum. Momentum is heavy. And so I feel like I really did a good job. You know, I started working out early this year. Actually, the process of that was I went to the doctor. The doctor diagnosed me um, with the need of a CPAP. And so I use a CPAP to go to sleep. And, and I would recommend everyone to, to communicate with your doctor to see if they need one. But yeah, they, they understood that I needed one. So I started using a CPAP. I then started drinking more water. But this goes back to, to my thought of practical goals lead to a, a radical life. So it's like, okay, I want to get better with drinking water. Well, how do I do that? Oh, I just drink more water. No. What I did was that I set alarms on my phone so that when the alarm goes off, it reminds me to drink water. And then I do. I drink more water. And there are moments where unconsciously, because I'm already in the habit, I just drink it before the alarm goes off, but I have the alarm there nonetheless. So I set those alarms. I then started communicating with my wife and said, hey, I want to go to bed by 1130, wake up by 630. This way I'm up before the kids and I'm not late, you know, middle of the night just for no reason. I started implementing that. And then in February, I started going out to the gym and started implementing a four-day workout routine that really worked for me. And I've been tweaking that throughout the year. So, you know, now I'm happy to say that I've lost, uh, you know, 20 pounds throughout the year. And, and I'm really excited with that work because not only, again, feeding myself and turning around and feeding others, what's, what's that done is that it's empowered other individuals to be able to go ahead and work out, get healthy and do their thing. And, and that's exciting for me. You know, that's exciting for me when I was speaking with someone recently who, who communicated that just by implementing certain things in their life, again, in a practical way, but they saw a radical change where they actually lost through the year, they lost 50 pounds. And wow. it's like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to celebrate you 20 yeah. pounds down. Good job. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And that's the whole thing, right? So, so when I look at this year, 2023, I say to myself, now we implemented a lot of good things to create consistency, to create habit, to create momentum. And so I'm looking at 2024 and, you know, I have some goals that I set. I do believe in New Year's resolutions. So I got some New Year's resolutions that I've set, but I also believe in establishing one word. And that one word anchors everything I do for the rest of the year. And my word, you know, I know people don't share it, but I, I'm going to share it either way. So if you see me, hold me accountable. But <laughs> my word for 2024 is more. And the word more to me implies maximizing, implies overcoming, reflecting and executing. And those that that encompasses more like I want more out of me. I want more impact, more income, more for my wife, more for my kids, more with God. I want more. And so, you know, I'm going into 2024 just looking for more. You know what? Wow. I'm not even going to lie to you. That's something I was going to ask you. Like, <laughs> do you do the one word? Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad you gave me your one word. You're such a coach. You're such a coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my one word, I'll mm -hmm. share, I'm one that shares. I share everything. I probably Let's do it. My one word is so funny mm -hmm. is new. New. Mm. So the Bible talks a lot about new, mm -hmm. new mindset, new yeah. skin, new mm -hmm. name, like mm -hmm. just new. I want, I want newness of everything. Yeah. 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 Thank you for I sharing that. With us. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, you know, I would even recommend 
take take the word new and make it into an acronym, right? Make it into something where it's like, because obviously you've already profounded enough where it's like, okay, new, it means this. And you've pulled back from the scripture. But I would even say taking it that further step of saying, no, no, new implies X, Y, Z, N, E, W. What does it mean? And because I think that makes it just more clear to being able to tie it into your core values, mm. right? So when I look at the word maximize within the word more, to me, I want to maximize my gift, maximize my resources, maximize relationship, maximize my time. I want to maximize. And that's how you're going to get more. But that's how I also leave a legacy. That's how I'm most present. Come on, Pastor Miguel. <laughs> start preaching now. You start preaching. Yeah. You know what? That's my homework. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm actually going to do that tonight before going to bed so thank you for my homework yeah <laughs> so anything else that that you would like to share that we didn't cover today before we wrap this up this beautiful interview with <laughs> pastor miguel lebron yeah you know to me like i mentioned previously strategy is a defined number of steps to help you obtain a breakthrough moment and and i want to highlight that because oftentimes we're too busy comparing ourselves. And what we don't realize is that if strategy is a defined number of steps, that means, Bridget, you may be 10 steps away from your breakthrough moment and I may be 20 steps, but I can't focus on where you are because otherwise I'm not going to get where I need to be. And so we need to really get rooted on what's most important to us. The core value to me is like a compass in the journey of life. So if I can build that compass, I can stay focused on how many strategies I need and just really get to that breakthrough moment. And so, you know, with that, the way I define success, because I'm all about defining these words and really making it personal. To me, success is a specific yet evolving end point. So what that means is that my success in 2023 only leads me to evolve my definition of success and the point of success for 2024. If you're finding yourself, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this and you're engaging with this content, you feel that you're stagnant, my friend, there is no reason for you to walk into 24, 2024 stagnant or 2025 or, or the next 10 years and be stagnant. You need to be evolving and growing. Your, your values will change. So it's important to then identify them frequently and get aligned with them. Yes. And, and in order to do that, you need to get with a great coach. So get <laughs> with coach Miguel LeBron and strategize your 2024 <laughs> so that you can be successful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Miguel, for being on the show. Really appreciate mm -hmm. you. And Thank want you. to tell all the viewers to believe in yourself, strategize your life. So you can have more and so that you can have something new in 2024. Love you. Thank you. See you on the next Bridget LeRae show. Deuces. It's your girl. Bridget. 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 Bridget.